that song is from Hairspray. I wrote a perfectly good sermon about the church in Rome. I was going to tell you about when Claudius was emperor and he expelled all of the Jews from Rome, even the ones that were Messianic Jews, those who believed that Jesus was the Messiah. I was going to tell you that that's when Paul actually had the opportunity to meet Priscilla and Aquila. But when this happened, it left only the Gentile Christians in Rome to um, populate the fledgling church, and that's what they did. And about 20 years later or so, um, when Nero became the emperor, he allowed the Jews to come back into Rome, and when the Messianic Jews came back into the church, they noticed that things were being done differently. They were not what it had been, and... They began to say things like, um, that's not how we used to do it. I know that that never happens here, so it may not sound familiar to any of you. Anyway, that, that's the setup for the church fight that Paul is addressing when he wrote this letter to Romans. And then I, I tied it to the, the Tracy clip to talk about what it means for us to be able to be open enough to stay woke, that we can learn new things we need to stay alert to the, the changing of the world so that we as a church can, be, can remain relevant. Unfortunately, that is not the sermon God wanted me to give today. Uh, it had a lot of truth in it, but it wasn't my truth. So I ask you to pray with me as I prepare to give you the sermon that I have been compelled to give. Ah, holy God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable unto you. And all that I offer, offer open us all to a place of transformation. It is in the name of all that is holy and sacred that I pray. Amen. I'm going to reread you the Roman scripture, but from the message, because um, we miss some of the subtleties in it using that very nice language. Every time I criticize someone, you condemn yourself. It takes one to know one. Judgmental criticism of others is a well-known way of escaping detection of your own crimes and misdemeanors. But God isn't so easily diverted. God sees right through all those smoke screens and holds you to what you have done. You didn't think, did you, that just by pointing your finger at others, you would distract God from seeing all your misdoings and from coming down hard on it? Or did you think that because God is such a nice God, you'd be let off the hook? Better think this one through from the beginning. God is kind, but not soft. In kindness, we are taken firmly by the hand and led into a radical life change. Romans 2, 2 through 4. 
I must confess that I stand here convicted by that scripture. You see, I had not seen the musical Hairspray until about a month ago, or at least not all the way through. I am not like Troy, who has seen every musical. (laughs) And when I watched it, I had a very negative, visceral response to it when, when I saw it. I was offended by the overt racism and sexism weaved into a musical comedy. You see, for me, racism and sexism are never funny. I I watched it through the lens of an African-American woman who was proudly full-figured and who grew up a hundred miles away from here in deep East Texas. My childhood was the 1960s. I personally lived through the unveiled racially tanged comments and the fat girl barbs, and they have cut into places deep within my soul. I've had the opportunity to begin the healing process only to have either the scab ripped off again or to sustain another injury, which has at times been even more deeply wounding. I've never been able to completely heal from these type of wounds because I have, as of yet, not stopped being black, like Maybell, or full-figured, like Tracy, or a woman, like Velma. Because, you see, I reside here in America. A country still deeply divided along racial, ethnic, gender expression and identity, sexuality, socioeconomic, body shaming and religious lines. It's very familiar to what was going on in the church in Rome. You would think some 2,000 years after Jesus' life and ministry began to reshape the world, we would be beyond the issues of the eye of judging people by what we see, of making decisions through our humanness like race baiting and body shaming and gender bashing. Yet on any given day, we wound each other over and over and over again. It is no surprise to me that Edna had not left the house in decades. I stand convicted before you because I went straight to judgment. I ask myself, I ask Troy, with all of the musicals available to us, why in the world would our sanctuary choir, which is predominantly white, choose a musical about segregation and the battle of integration in 1960 in Baltimore? I didn't get it. From my place of woundedness, I got caught up in judgmental criticism. I said to Troy, are we doing yet another series on racial reconciliation? I get weary of preaching about racial reconciliation and shaming. Because all too often, I'm cast as the angry black woman. Why couldn't we do the gospel according to Fun Home? (laughs) 
or the gospel according to rent instead of the gospel according to hairspray. On Monday, I was still struggling with what I was to offer today. I was pointing fingers, attempting to distract God. I didn't want to share how watching that movie made me feel. I was frustrated. I was upset that too much of that movie is still happening today. Especially after our election. Yet I knew today would come very soon and I needed to have something to say to you. But I sure as heck was not going to tell you my truth. It felt too raw. And it left me too vulnerable. Monday night, I watched the movie two more times, looking for a different angle to approach it, something, some way to, to shift my own lens so that I could offer a light and airy and happy sermon instead of sharing the truth about how it made me feel. I didn't want to chase my own disturbance. I didn't want to find out what was making me so uncomfortable by watching it. And the only thing that came to me after much prayer that night was begin with the end in mind. God can be so cryptic. I knew that that meant something, but I wasn't sure what it was. I knew as a strategic planner, you began with the end in mind. You know where you want to get to and you know where you are and then you plan the steps to get there. I kept asking God, what does this have to do with hairspray? I kept coming up blank. Then I recall Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I remembered that habit too was began with the end in mind. So I went to my bookshelf and I pulled down that book and I reread what it said in Habit 2. And it says, Habit 2 is based in imagination, which is the ability to envision in your mind that what you can't at present see with your eyes. All things are created twice, first in the mind and second physically. The physical creation follows the mental just as a building follows a blueprint. If you don't make a conscious effort to visualize who you are and what you want in life, you empower other people and circumstances to shape you and your life by default. To practice habit two, you must connect again with your own uniqueness and then define your own personal, moral, and ethical guidelines within which you can express and fulfill yourself. Well, that sucks. God was calling me into deep spiritual work. God was asking me to chase down my own disturbance about the musical and reframe it. That double sucked. So Tuesday night, the inward journey began. By Friday, on, as I drove towards Boma, literally towards my place of initial wounding, I was open enough to ask God broader questions. So what was John Warders shooting for? What was the end he was hoping to get us to through this musical? 
Was it simply that he believed that the nicest kids in town were the whitest kids in town? Were we to equate blonde and thin with societal good? Or could he have been intentionally holding in front of us our truths unvarnished so that we could recognize them for what they were? Or was it something deeper and more holistic? Was he pointing us towards our best or ideal selves? Offering us an opportunity to vision who we were as a nation, who we could become, where there was no more Negro Day on Tuesday, but all of us day, every day. Was God using the sanctuary choir to do the same for us here at Resurrection? Are they taking this opportunity to call us into who we can be? Just as Paul was doing the same for the Roman church, reminding us and especially reminding me to follow our own disturbances and check our own woundedness. Are they challenging us to do the deep spiritual work that we need to do for wholeness? Those questions and possibilities were healing. As I watched that movie again last night, if we began with the end in mind, if we decide that we truly want to be repairers of the breach, we will do well. I'm not saying that we have had all the necessary conversations that we need to have in order for us to be a cohesive and an equitable body. I'm not saying that we are moving at a fast enough pace to become the beloved community. I know that we can become. What I am saying is that we are a community of faith that is willing to be woke, to see that we have yet a ways to go, to name the injustices of the world and in our own midst. We are willing, beginning with me, to risk sharing our truths with each other, no matter whether we fear that they are good, bad, or ugly, so that we can all be spiritually transformed. Since 1981, I have envisioned each one of you sitting here today, a rich cacophony of diverse peoples, seeking to be in relationship with God and with each other, a place and a people where we are willing to engage the difficult work that we have been tasked to complete in this world. We are a people where we push each other to grow into our best selves, to become the beloved community. We are a deeply transformed spiritual community where we don't have to be perfect that we can speak our truth in love and be heard in love. We are a people who can authentically be who we are and a place where we can struggle with our own woundedness until we grow into our wholeness. So I'm actually looking forward to the production because I have a feeling that it will be transformative for us. I know that it has already begun a good work in me. 
Because I stand here not only convicted, but transforming. I will end with the words from Paul in Romans 1.12. But don't think I'm not expecting to get something out of this too. Because you have given as much to me as I do you. Amen.